Already gave him the player of the game, and he's he keeps proving it. Right. Oh, look what he did. <laughs> How fitting is that? Georgia Tech has won the ACC championship. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined as always by Jason Gibbs. Jason, Georgia Tech, ACC champions. How are we feeling? And just like we all predicted from the beginning of the season, we pretty much were guaranteeing a championship of Georgia Tech over Florida State when the season tipped off. I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit because they were picked ninth in the preseason poll, and I think I had them like five or six, but five or six is not one. So Georgia Tech wins the ACC championship as a huge underdog. Great story. And – They did it tonight against Florida State by a score of 80 to 75. And what they what did they do? They came out and they turned Florida State over like crazy. 25 total turnovers for Florida State. And it started right at the beginning with Florida State turning it over four times in their first four possessions. Yeah, we've talked about this kind of uh, frequently, actually, on our on our pods about Florida State's high ceiling, and then their very low floor. Now, not to take anything away from Georgia Tech's defense, it was great, but there was also a lot of sloppy turnovers from Florida State, and that's kind of what we've seen with them, a pattern with them throughout the year of, now I don't want to say playing down their competition because I don't want to take anything away from Georgia Tech. They were a great champion, et cetera. But, you know, I don't necessarily think that their final four material when they're playing at their at their top of their game. I do think that about Florida State. However, they don't play at the top of the game often. And, you know, just some really careless turnovers and then really great defense, all that combined for 25 turn. Not going to win many games if you turn the ball over 25 times. Is it just me or did it feel like Jose Alvarado had a lot more than five steals? <laughs> he officially had five in the box score, but it felt like so much more. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who's so unbelievable defense. You could see him getting a triple-double with the last double being steals. That would be something. Also, my key players were Michael DeVoe and Jordan Usher, and they're guys, you know, that could take sh- tough shots, make them great plays off the dribble. They had 25 – they had 20, I'm sorry, and 15 respectively. So, good night for them as well. The thing about Florida State, I feel like, is they're very matchup dependent as well. A great example of this is actually over these last two nights. Teams like UNC, they rely heavily on their front court. They're going to be designed to lose to Florida State, like I said, with all their switching and the length and athleticism that they have. Teams like Georgia Tech, they revolve around playmaking and scrappiness, and they are actually designed to beat Florida State. So I think Florida State will it'll depend in the tournament who they play if they have a good a favorable bracket then they could go to a sweet 16 elite eight etc if they don't they could be knocked off pretty early yeah and and you know one thing we've mentioned before is how stellar they were at home and then how less than stellar they were on the road and at neutral court games and and this tournament Proved it out again. We'll ignore the the Duke uh, walkover, and they went one and one. You know, I think they they were basically a 500 team away from Tallahassee this year. So, 
something to think about in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is, I'm not a big geography guy, but Indianapolis I know is nowhere near Florida. So <laughs> that won't help. But that leads us to our factoid of the day. Factoid of the day. This was the first time a team picked eighth or lower in the preseason one since at least 2000. They were actually ranked ninth, which makes it even more impressive. So Georgia Tech ranked ninth in the preseason, wins it, and it for the first time as that much of a underdog for the first time in at least 21 years could be much more, which leads us into our trivia nugget. Jason, there was one preseason seven seed to do it. It happened within the last 10 years. Who was it? So a seven seed that won the ACC. Yeah, preseason seven seed, I should clarify, not okay. postseason seven seed. Uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame a few years back, I think 2015. I would have narrowed it down to either Notre Dame or Miami in 2013, 2014. So yeah, I think I—I I, I mean that would have been my second guess, but I think something like 15 or 16 of the last 20 years, it was won by either UNC, Duke, or Virginia. So yeah, <laughs> that narrows out a lot. Not secret. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, back to Georgia Tech though. What a great story. How many people were calling for Josh Passner's job after they started out the year losing to Georgia State and Mercer? Really looked like the program had gone off the rails. And not only did he rally him, he had ACC Player of the Year in Moses Wright, had ACC Defensive Player of the Year in Jose Alvarado, and now he has an ACC championship. Incredible. And please, please don't take anything away from them. Don't call it some asterisk championship whatever you want to call it give them credit because I know they had an easier path than any team would have in any given year besides 2021 but keep in mind a they deserve their double buy they won enough games in the regular season to set themselves up and b if you don't credit them you just sound silly so please credit Georgia Tech that's all for my rant on that but Congrats to the Yellow Jackets for their ACC tournament championship. Yeah, well, you can do either one of two things. You can either win or lose. And they can only play the teams that are lined up across from them. So they won those games. So hats off to them. Exactly. But we also have Selection Sunday coming up tomorrow. And I genuinely think that we will have eight ACC teams in We'll start with the bubble, then we'll work our way up to the better seeds. So what happened today in the bubble, this kind of contradicts what I just said, Georgetown winning the Big East, huge Cinderella story. They are a bid stealer. So that Georgetown definitely wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament. Now they just took away a spot from an at-large bubble team. However, are you feeling the same way as me, Jason? Do you think that Louisville and Syracuse could legitimately both make the tournament? I do, really. I think I think Louisville had it pretty much locked up um, before the ACC tournament. And with Syracuse, you know, they really turned it on at the end of the year, kind of 
when everyone's tuned in and paying attention, they were stringing together some of their best wins of the year. I think they get in. I think they were cutting it very close for comfort, especially for Orange fans. But I think they get in. And, yeah, the fact that Memphis also lost to Houston, Memphis would have been a bid stealer. So that is huge for Syracuse. It benefits them. So that is also something to keep in mind. I think Louisville should certainly be safe. Syracuse, I do worry about a little bit. I'd consider it very 50-50, classic Syracuse right on that bubble. But I do see a path where the ACC gets eight teams. And you know what conferences that's more than? That's more than the Big 12, and that's more than the SEC. Pretty amazing. I mean, you know, we've mentioned it on the pod before. ACC doesn't have the kind of historical – year that they normally would where they have two three sometimes four top 10 teams it's been kind of more in the middle but it's also had it it has had some depth and there has been a little bit of beating each other up so eight teams I would be okay with that if they ended up only getting seven that's understandable too it's like you said Syracuse right there on the line Six would be very upsetting for us, but yeah, yes. I, I'll take seven. But moving on to the rest of the tournament, I think Virginia Tech should be around that nine to 10 ish range with UNC. Georgia Tech was in, in that same range prior to the game. I think they move up to at least eight or seven, as will Clemson. They will probably be at the seven. Florida State was around the four prior to the game, I'd imagine they moved down maybe just to the five. But let's talk about Virginia just very briefly because they should be a four seed. Here's the deal. The more I hear, the more it appears, yes, they will go through and try to play, but they might be very limited when it comes to scholarship players. Now, keep in mind that there are many mid-major tournament upsets, so the bottom seeds will be weaker this year. They'll be playing a weaker 13 seed. Without knowing who it is yet, do you think they have any shot to take down that 13 seed, whoever they're playing? Well, I mean, obviously a lot of it's going to be contingent on who actually is available. Are they going to be missing, you know, Murphy and Huff and Hauser? That's a different story than if maybe they have Hauser, if they have, you know, maybe two of them or whatever, but could, you know, Bench players and walk-ons from Virginia beat a 13th seed? I don't think so, even if the 13th seed's weaker, because one thing they're not going to have that the 13th seed will have is continuity. And the 13th seed has their team, you know, in theory, has played together all year. And walk-ons and bench players haven't. Would those players be able to run efficiently Bennett, Tony Bennett's pack line defense? Doubtful. And that's kind of what Virginia's predicated on so you could easily see I don't even know if it would be an upset it'd be very interesting to see what the line would be coming out of Vegas again you know we're, we're kind of sitting um, and, and seeing who actually will be available but we have heard rumors that they could be shorthanded I think there's absolutely zero chance that they have their full roster it'll be interesting we'll preview a lot of the tournament coming up but Selection Sunday is tomorrow. We have a whole Selection Sunday special for you guys. A bit, a little bit of a longer episode than our fast breaks we've been doing the past week. 
We'll take a break for a couple of days and return to our fast breaks come tournament time when the games start. But until then, it's been good, Jason, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC podcast.